go ahead and bow our heads again, and then we'll get right into the word of God. Dear gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you, praise you, love you, and appreciate you. God, I'm asking that you would hide me beneath the cross, that you would think through my mind, speak through my mouth, God, that you would illuminate the hearts of the hearers and illuminate the ears of the listener, because he that hath the ear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. God bless us in the building as well as online. Let none of our coming be in vain, none of our tuning in be in vain, God. Let us be eternally touched and blessed, and we thank you for it in Jesus' name. We appreciate you, Father, that revelation knowledge will flow freely, unhindered, uninterrupted, and unchecked by any satanic or demonic forces. And if you believe it, somebody just shout, Amen. Come on with your Bibles in your hands. And repeating after me, this is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I will have what it says I will have. I'm a part of Deliverance Temple, where we love by living our vision every day. We connect with our Creator continually. We confess our deliverance consistently. We commit to serve creatively. We communicate Christ's love compassionately. Pastor Andre, feed me this word. Come on, if you believe it, go ahead and make some noise. Amen. believe God's going to give us something. All right, so last week we talked about a love like no other. And so we, uh, we used that, and we're going to stay in this theme. This is the love month as well as this Black History Month. It's also the love month that uh, I like to get into relationships a little. So we talked a lot about that very frank. And we're going to be even more frank this week than we were last week. So buckle, buckle your seats. And then today we're going to talk about a love without boundaries. Yeah, you can repeat that. Say a love without boundaries. So we're speaking of God's love for us, but it also deals with the love we have with each other. Now we, because of the season, we're going to be focusing on male-female relationships, but this type of love, it can affect a lot of things, and just because you're single, don't tune out and check out. You're still going to have something that you can enjoy. I'm going I'm I'm to feed you well, but married couples, you'll benefit as well, as well as a body of Christ. So we're going to lay it out like we laid it out before, and these are the three things that we're going to use. We're going to use the English Standard Version. We're going to use the ERV, which is the easy-to-read version, and then we're going to use commentaries. Last week, we just used Matthew Henry commentary, but I'm going to use several different commentaries as, uh, as I read through this. So how you will know, every verse that does not say ESV will be ERV. It will be the easy-to-read version. The ones that are ESV will have ESV beside it. That way you can uh, know the difference. All right, the other thing I need to set up for us is how we're going through this. We're going starting with central, then spiritual. Last week we did central, spiritual, and historical. But this week we're going to go central, spiritual, and we're going to throw some scientific in there as well. So in order to talk about this type of love and 
The focus is the middle one, the spiritual. We're going to connect it to Christ's love for us and our love for Christ, but it's going to be just taken care of in a way that I can hit the sensual, the spiritual, and the scientific. Remember when we talked about the uh, this song of songs, which we're going to get in, we're going to get into chapter two. One of the things that we talked about is the fact that we cannot strip the sensuality out of it. We cannot get into church and pretend like it is not central language. We, we don't have to be all uptight and prudish. It is very central, so we're going to preach it like it's central. We're not going to just totally make it spiritual because it's not totally spiritual. The best way I could do that is to use the terminology that is in uh, uh, this commentary that I'm going to read, and I think it, it will help us understand it. They'll go ahead and bring that up. Make it solid for me so I can, uh, th thank you very much. According to the most common interpretation, the Song of Solomon is a collection of love poems between a man and a woman celebrating, let me say that again, celebrating, let me say it again, celebrating the sexual relationship God intended for marriage. Celebrating. We act like when we preach sex from the church, it's all about bad, 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 bad. No, no, it was created to be celebrated. Amen. Celebrate good times. Come on. When I get a chance to be in that space with my wife, I don't be all sad. I be celebrating because that's what it is designed to do. All right, let's. Let's go to the next point. God established marriage, including the physical union of a husband and wife. You can keep it up there, but I want to make just one point. One of the things that I have dealt with, and I said it time and time again, but I've noticed it in my counseling of people. I have to get single people out the bed, and I got to get married people in the bed. The married folk don't want to do what they have a license to do, and the single folk want to keep doing what they don't have a license to do. We got it switched. So God established marriage, including the physical union of a husband and wife, and Israelite wisdom literature treasures this aspect of marriage as the appropriate expression of human sexuality, and this comes from the ESV commentary. Let me speak for a moment. And let me apologize to you single people because many times you come to church and you got beat up over your sexuality and it wasn't your fault. And the reason why I say that is because if the church would have modeled in front of you good marriages, you would have something to look forward to. But you came to church and all the married folk was jacked up. All the married men was hitting on you. And so you didn't understand. They ain't no needing me doing what they doing because that ain't right. So it hasn't always been y'all fault, but y'all the ones who got beat up. We have to be reminded that if we are in marital covenant relationships, we ought to model what it looks like to be in love. Now, when we are married, it's not always peaches and roses. We have issues. But you shouldn't have issues all the time. At some point, marriages go through seasons. There are seasons of good. 
So in the seasons of good, go ahead and snuggle up next to your, your boo at church. You ain't got to be sitting all far away from him. No, sit next to him at church. It's okay to put your arm around your woman at church. Because there's somebody who needs to see that and see what is possible in a good marital covenant relationship. Now, let me add this. We have got into the seasons of faking it till we make it. So sometimes people fake in church, but you see folk out of church and you see they be about ready to cut each other's throat. I'm not talking about faking it, but when you are in a good space, you're in a good season, it's okay to publicly express that because people are watching you. All right, that, that, there's enough of that. So now we're going to go into the way this uh, second chapter is laid out, and it's starting off with the woman speaks. So she speaks. Now let's go to Song of Songs 2-1, ESV. I am a rose of Sharon, a lily of the valley. This is very powerful because it immediately makes us think of spiritual language. If you've heard people preach, they would say that Jesus is the lily of the valley. We've also heard him as the rose of Sharon. But when you look at the scripture, it was actually the woman speaking. When you lay out how this is laid out spiritually, when you go out of the central and you look at the spiritual, in most cases in Song of Solomon or Song of Songs, it is the male's voice that represents Christ. But in this case, the woman says, I am a lily of the valley. I am a rose of Sharon. So what is the spiritual implication of that? Well, first of all, let me explain to you. When we say lily of the valley, the point of that or the beauty of that is lilies shouldn't be growing in the valley. Because the valley is the dry place, but the lily grows in the valley. And we say Jesus is the lily of the valley because he came down into broken earth and he was a shining spot in broken earth. Similar of the rose of Sharon, Sharon was the low uh, area. It was similar to the va valley, but it was also even an economically low place. So the fact that roses were growing out of that area, it would be like a rose in the ghetto. It was something out of place that was shining out of place. So we understand why Jesus, instead of Jesus, he's the lily of the valley and the rose of Sharon. But why was the woman declaring of herself, I am a rose of Sharon. I am a lily of the valleys. Here's the first spiritual truth that I'm going to give you. The woman is saying that, spiritually speaking, that when Jesus comes inside of me, I am the valley. I am the low place. I am the jacked up place. But the reason why I'm shining bright like a diamond is because who comes inside of me? When I said yes to Jesus, he became the lily in my jacked up valley. 
he became the rose in my shaman. He's the rose in my ghetto. And the reason why I can praise God because what you see is not what you get. I got something on the inside of me. I, I got glory and anointing and joy. And yes, it may not look at, like it on the outside because yes, I may have been divorced. And yes, I may have been molested. And yes, I may have been addicted. But when I said yes to Jesus, he stepped in my life and he, he stepped in in my valley and he, he stepped in my heart and I am the rose of Sharon. I, I am a lily in the valley. I, I am somebody because of who lives on the inside of me. And whenever you speak of the I am, you're talking about the I am that I am. So that's why you don't have to just say I'm the lily of the valley, but you can say I am blessed. I am somebody. I, I am wealthy because you're declaring that when Jesus stepped in. Now, I'm trying to teach, but I felt a little preach right there. When, when Jesus stepped in. And so you can declare. Now, I do want to remind you, we've been talking about something uh, recently called Godfidence, which is the confidence you have in God. Now, we have been trained to walk in humility and never walk in arrogance, but sometimes we get overly humble to the point where we can't even speak well of ourselves and we can't even hear somebody speak well of us. Many times we have a hard time hearing compliments from other people but away with that in 2022 it don't nobody compliment you compliment yourself I look good I smell good, I am good I am smart, I am kind, I am important you gotta talk to yourself in this day and age so because of the God that's inside of you. All right, let's, let's read from Matthew Henry's commentary. The lily is a very noble plant in the east. It grows to a considerable height, but has a weak stem. The church is weak in herself, yet is strong in him that supports her. Matthew Henry commentary. So that's why the Bible says, let the weak say I am strong. See, I'm a beautiful lily, but a beautiful lily usually has a weak stem. But because of the roots of Christ, because I'm connected to the branch of Christ, even though I look weak, I'm not weak. Even though I've been broke, I'm not broke. Even though I've been depressed, I'm not depressed. Because any day, in any moment, the king of kings can rise up in me. I'm so glad I know who I serve. Now, I got to move on because I got a lot to talk about, but let me just add this. It's easy to talk tough in church. Oh, but God, when we're home by ourselves and we're staring our weakness right in the face, not just our weakness, our sins, our mistakes, our hangups, our proclivities, our generational curses. But I'm here to let you know when Jesus died on the cross, he knew who you were when he died on the cross. And excuse my terminology, he knew you was a freak when he died on the cross. He died for your freaky self, so pick yourself up and get back in church. And don't you give up on yourself, even though you do some dumb stuff from now and then. God still loves you you all right that's enough of that because sometimes i'm preaching to myself all right let's say what he he speaks let's go to uh two and two my darling 
Among other women, you are like a lily among thorns. That's so beautiful. So now the man is speaking to the woman and saying, you're like a lily among the thorns. And so since we understand the spiritual implication that Jesus is the one that makes us beautiful, it's almost as if Jesus comes inside of us with his Holy Spirit and makes us better than what we should be and then steps on the outside of us and then compliments us for everything we are, even though he's the one who made us everything we are. He says, you are lily among the thorns. And the commentaries when you study it says among the wicked people you stand out now yes you may have some wickedness in you but you're not a wicked person because of the blood of the lamb that's inside of you and because of that you stand out amongst all the wicked people you're like a rose in the ghetto you are like a lily among the thorns you have to understand God really cares for you because he's done some work in rearranging you uh, let, let, let me use this example. We've talked about it before, and I, I encourage anybody to come and just take a, a, a peek at it. But um, S- Sister Rutha and her team uh, remodeled my, my office, and it's just it, it looks beautiful in there. Now, she is okay, even though she had a hand in remodeling it, it's okay for her to look at it and say, that looks good. When God created us, he said we were good. We were very good. And when God steps in your mess and begins to rearrange and remodel your mess, you can't tell God I'm nobody because God says I'm the one who's been working on you. And if I call you good, you're good. If I call you righteous, you're righteous. If I call you blessed, you're blessed. It may not look like it, but if God said it, since he's the remodeler and he's the rearranger, he has a right to declare about me what he says. And if God says it, I believe it. All right. He said, you're like a lily among thorns. But then she begins to speak back to him. Let's look at Psalms, uh, Psalms 2 and 3. My lover among other men, you are an apple tree among the wild trees in the forest. Now, we can't just allow God to talk to us without us talking back to God. And look at what this woman says. She says, you're an apple tree among the forest. See, apple trees don't grow in the forest. But in other words, in the middle of something, you still are life in the middle of it. As I studied it, it, uh, Translated into English, it's more like an apple tree. But in those days, it could be an orange or a pomegranate tree. Whatever it was, it should not have been growing in the forest. And here's another thing that we have to understand. We're not here to dog anybody else's religion, anybody else's God. I'm not here to fight you over none of that. You can believe what you want. But I have to say my God is like a fruit tree in the middle of the forest. Because he is the only God that when he came, told folk he was God. There are other people that once the person lived and died, they made him a God after he died. No, no, no. My God, when he came, he said, I am God. And all these other people, no one said that they would die for the sins of the people. You can serve who you want to serve, but my God died for me. But here's something else. My God rose again with power in his hand. 
All these other gods, they're either mythological gods or people who have died and you can see where their bones are. But you can't find the bones of Jesus. You, you can't find where he lays because he got up with power in his hand. My God lives. My God reigns. My God is awesome. He's a fruit tree among the forest. He ain't like every other God. Listen, you can... Have Mary Jane as your God, and it don't bother me. But your God can't get you as high as my God can get me. My God gets me high, and he don't let me down. He, he's just not like everybody else. Now, because we are wise people, we don't run out there and jump on everybody and beat them up about their gods. Sometimes in conversations and debates, we stay quiet unless we are challenged. But when we come into the house of God, this is our time to go ahead and be loud and talk about our God. I, may, maybe I couldn't yell it from the rooftops when I was at work, but now I'm in church. You can't make me be silent. You ain't got to have no music to make me praise God. I don't need a tambourine to make me praise God. When I woke up this morning and God started me on my way, I was happy. I said, this is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice. Because I really believe in this God. He, he's like a fruit tree among the forest. Now since I've been in church all my life, at some point I start dabbling in other stuff. And trying other stuff. And other stuff always let me down. Now, 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 now it's not that other stuff wasn't good momentarily. Some of that stuff was good. Felt good. I enjoyed it, but it always left me lower than it was when I found it. God is the only thing that has lifted me up from height to height and depth to depth and keeps taking me up. So you do what you want to do, but like Joshua said, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. I'm really, I'm really trying to teach. I don't know what, where this preacher is coming from, but... Let's, let's continue verse 3. Song of Songs 2-3 continued. I enjoy sitting in my lover's shadow. His fruit is so sweet to my taste. All right, I've been staying spiritual, so I'm going to stay spiritual for a sec second, and then i got to turn all the way sensual, and then i got to walk real soft when I get into that. So let's, let's put this scripture up again. You can go ahead and make it transparent, because I'm, I'm going to try to... Uh, Get into the, we're going to go back to the scripture. I enjoy sitting in my lover's shadow. So let's start off spiritually. And we said it last week, Psalms 91.1. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. His fruit is so sweet to my taste. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. So spiritually, that's a powerful verse. But now you can just go ahead and get back on me for a second. Now I got to walk real slow because this is not just a spiritual verse. This is actually a very, very sensual verse. And because we have children here, I have to be very careful how I walk with this. Okay? So I'm going to tell you what a lot of scholars believe but it was hidden because the church can be a little prudish, which means we get a little uptight when it comes to sensual things. 
Now, I do understand the reason why, because in, in certain settings, there's certain things you don't talk about all the time. But amongst each other, we can be honest, there are some things in the scripture that are very central. So let me, let me just go there. I've been nervous by even trying to get out there on this, but I, I got to because it's scripture. It says, his fruit is so sweet to my taste. Many scholars, many scholars, not just a few, not just one of a few in left field, but many scholars believe she was talking about oral pleasure with her spouse. I'm just going to leave it right there and stop right there. I don't want to say, I don't want to say too much, but let me talk to you married folks, single folk, y'all stay out of this for a second. Let me talk to you married folk. The Bible says that the bed is undefiled. So there are certain things that you've allowed folk in church tell you what you should and should not do. Don't listen to some preacher. Look at the Bible. Study for yourself. And then you and your spouse, you guys feel what you believe is okay under your roof. There are certain things that you know are not a part of God, but there are some gray areas that you've listened to some old church mother who couldn't do nothing anyway tell you what to do. I implore you, don't let the world do more joy than you in the church. That, that's enough. I think that's enough to say it for you, Mary, for folk to pick it up. There's something else I need to point out, that there was a shift. Unfortunately, there was a shift in history, in recent history. There was a president that was impeached, and he was impeached for something similar to what I'm talking about because of something he was doing in the office that he should not have been doing. So he was impeached, but a lot of scientific people and educators, or excuse me, let me say it even better, clearer, sex educators say there was a major shift in that time. Let me just be frank. Bill Clinton, who I'm talking about, if you didn't catch it, after Bill messed up the way he messed up, and you, we forgive people, sex educators say in the acceptability in the world, that practice went way up. In other words, what used to be taboo became common practice and commonly talked about. And this is what I want to say, church, we have to stop letting the world drive our sexuality. We should be driven by the scripture. The scripture should inform us on what we should and should not be doing and stop allowing the world to dictate. So maybe the shift could have happened or couldn't have happened if we would have just study the word and stop being so afraid of ooh touchy subjects. Now of course like I said everything can be talked amongst the pulpit but that's why you are pewmates. There's some stuff y'all need to be talking about. Now before we move on the, in, in this context it keeps saying that she speaks, he speaks and then it keeps saying she speaks to the women. What married women, what you have to understand, it is your responsibility to take some of these other women and pull them aside and train them in the ways of things. If you are good at keeping a man, you ought to pull some single woman aside and let her know the secrets. 
Because she got to go watch Real Housewives of Atlanta, and they doing all kinds of crazy stuff. She got to look on the internet, but she should be able to find somebody in church, but we too holy. We can't talk about stuff like that. But if you don't talk about it, somebody else will. And if they talk about it the wrong way, they'll push our young people in directions they shouldn't go. So we got to be the ones to say it. And if I can't always say it openly amongst the pulpit, that means you have to have relationship with people. What we call it, we call it discipleship. Sometimes you, you, you need to talk. I, I don't know how much more I need to, to get into that, but talk to these young women. Young women, but here's something, young women and single women, you have to be willing. Let, let me jump on this real quick. Sometimes single women don't want to listen to married women because they got somebody and they don't. I don't want to hear her. She got a man. She ain't lonely like I am. That don't mean she hasn't been lonely before. Let, let me say this. There's some married women who got a man and still lonely. So y'all can talk and enjoy and learn because what the devil is doing, he is teaching us stuff that's going to move us away. But this is what religion did. Religion took Song of Song and made it only spiritual. No, this is not an only spiritual book. This is very central, and if you study it, there's some things you can learn. Did I walk soft enough with that? I think I did. I don't think I, I don't think I got to go any more into it. But I just need us to understand there's some stuff. There's some stuff in here that can be done right. Another thing, let, let me let me move uh, on to this real quick. Another thing, I don't judge homosexuals. I pray for them. I love them. I don't judge them because many times they couldn't find no good uh, examples of marriage in the church. So why are you talking about, oh, you gay, stay away, you gay? No, the reason why they stay away is because of you and your jacked up relationship. How about we accept everybody and we all try to work together and see if we can grow toward God together? And we all, all of us, maybe unless you are a certain age, you may, maybe after you get a certain age, I don't know, I haven't got there yet, but we all of us wrestle with human sexuality. All of us. Maybe if you 99, maybe you don't, but a bunch of us do. So it's okay to be honest. Whew. Okay, I think that. No, let, let me say one more thing and then we move on. We are holy and horny. Sometimes on the same day. But we are also human. So if you single and you done done some mingling, I want you to still come to church. I don't want you to, I don't want you to feel, oh, I'm so ashamed. No, no. It's a bunch of folk that done done a bunch of stuff. Just bring yourself to church so we can get you holy again because we all have had some ups and downs. Well, they married. They don't have no struggles. Married folk struggle. Married folk can be totally in love and still have somebody else catch their eye. We all are human, but we all are trying to go to God together and allow God to be the lily in our messed up valley. And what we have to do, we have to be honest with our struggles so that everybody can grow. And who we're really trying to go after is that next generation. 
because things are totally different for that generation that's my teenage and beyond. They can find anything. They can be taught by anything. That is, for us, it used to be just the music. It's the music. It's the videos. Anything. What used to be PG has was R. What was R for me is now PG. Things have shifted. So we have to catch this next generation. And in order to do it, sometimes we got to be honest here in the church. All right. I think that's good enough. Let's, let's move on. She speaks to the women. Let's go to song, song of Songs 2 and 4. He brought me to the banqueting house, and his banner over me was love. Have you remember singing that song? He feeds me at his banqueting table. His banner over me is love. And I need to throw this out there as, as well. So in those days and age, they had a big outdoor banqueting thing, uh, like a big long banqueting table. But what they would do, they would put a big banner and say, this is for so-and-so. In other words, it would say, this is for Devin. In other words, like you do for birthdays, but instead of for birthdays, just for a regular day, this is for Devin. But it was open so everybody can see it. I, 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 I got to say this. If your man says we can't go out Monday, which is Valentine's Day, I got to take you out on Tuesday and we just going to order and bring it to the house. It may be because you decide, chick, and he don't want to show you in public. He trying to hide you. And you got to know, I know I need a man who will put me at the banqueting table and put the banner over me. I need somebody who can celebrate. Why we always got to go out at dark? Why, 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 why I ain't never met none of your friends? Some of y'all women, you, you, you get so desperate, you don't ask questions. Ask some questions. He got a whole family and you the person on the side. Now, if you choose to be the person on the side, that's a different story. But don't be suckered into something. I need somebody who's going to celebrate me. Now, look, when it comes to spirituality, I'm so glad that I have a God that celebrates me. I'm so glad that has a God that will anoint me. Even when I've made mistakes, God don't throw me out. He don't kick me out. His banner still over me is love. Well, you used to cuff me, but he still loves me. Well, when you got drunk the other day, he still loves me because his banner over me is still love. God is crazy about little old me, and he's crazy about little old you. Amen? All right, let's look at verse 5. Strengthen me with raisins. Refresh me with apples because I am weak with love. This is another scripture that religious tried to totally shift it a little bit. But when you really study it out, she was basically saying, I am weak because of love making. So now I need some food. I need to be replenished. But let's turn it spiritually. When you are in worship with the Lord, you need something to replenish you. That's why I don't understand people who come to church on Sunday morning and then it's over. 
I don't talk to God no more. No, uh. After a good service, that makes you make you talk to God more. You shouldn't be able to wait till Monday. Ooh, I just want to hear the message again. I, I want to feed at it again because I'm weak from this love. I'm weak from this worship. I, I want to be filled up again because I've enjoyed it so much. It's taken my energy. You remember when you were little and you went to Kings Island or something, when you got back on the bus, you was wore out tired because you enjoyed yourself so much and you need to be refreshed. You ought to be being refreshed and replenished from God because you enjoy him so much. And very similarly when it comes to the marriage bed as well. Verse 6, this will prove to you that that's what it's talking about. My lover's left arm is under my head. And his right arm holds me. Talk, woman, talk. In other words, she's saying, my man cuddle me. He puts his hand under my head. He puts his arm around me. It's okay, married folk, to enjoy each other. But when you think about it spiritually, I'm so grateful that surely goodness and mercy is following me. I'm cradled in the arms of the Lord. My head is resting in his bosom. God, God is cuddling me. God is protecting me. God is encouraging me. Somebody said, well, you lost your daddy and you should have lost your mind. Yes, I should, but his left arm is under me. He's holding me up. He's undergirding me. I am because God is putting his arms around me. And you've never experienced God until he has held you in the midnight hour. I'm so glad I experienced God at the altar, but I've experienced God in my bedroom. I've experienced God in the laundry room. I experienced God in the shower. I experienced God in the car. I've experienced God on the job. He's put his arms around me. And I'm so grateful for a God that I can feel every now and then. Don't always feel him. Sometimes I have to access him by faith, but there have been many marked moments in my life where the presence of the Lord, just not too long ago, uh, about two weeks ago, had pulled in my garage after getting home from work and taking the kids to school, and I opened my car door to go into the house, and I stumbled. I felt the presence of the Lord. I felt drunk like that. I mean, I felt God's presence. And I heard God say, I'm going to bless you, boy. I'm going to bless you. It didn't last long. It was only about a second. But I felt God. And it wasn't nothing I had done. I wasn't being deep. I wasn't reading scriptures. But every now and then, God will just invade your space and touch you just to remind you that I'm on your side. And it felt good. I was like, oh, thank you, God. I appreciate that. And he's been blessing ever since. All right, verse 7. This is very important. I adjure you, O daughters of Jerusalem, by the gazelles or the does of the field, that you not stir up or awaken love until it pleases. She's talking about the beauty of this relationship she has with this man, but then she turns to the women and she says, I adjure you. I beg you that this type of love I'm talking about, don't wake it up too early. Don't wake it up too early. Because if you wake it up too early, it puts you in a place that you can't get back. Let, 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 me, let me say this to our young people. Uh, sex is a box that once you open it, it's hard to get everything back in the box. 
So don't open it too fast. Don't move it too quick. Because what the scripture says, don't awake it until it pleases. In other words, until you are in a relationship where there can be some reciprocity, don't awaken it because what will happen is it will feel good for a moment, but it will leave you empty longer than it left you feeling good. So we pray for everybody. We don't treat anybody bad who's made any mistakes, but what we're saying is if you can preserve that portion of your life because once the pop, the top is popped, it's hard to get a handle on it. How do we know? Because us saved folk is in here praising the Lord. We done been there. And so we, we try to, so train the young women. Yeah, I know you love him. I know, but listen, it, it, it's not always easy. It's not easy to be a, a single mother at 17. You got to tell somebody the truth. Yeah, it may feel good, but it, the consequences can hurt you. So, so if you can, rein yourself together, not because you're a bad person for your human sexuality, but it just complicates things. It makes things a lot harder. If you've married and you've never committed adultery, it's good that you don't go down there because once you start opening up those doors, it's hard to get things back. God will forgive you, but it don't mean your spouse have to. Well, God, I thought God would forgive me. Yeah, yeah, God forgave you, but that person still might take you to divorce court. So you have to be careful. Awaken love in the wrong time, in the wrong moment, because what we mid-time mix up, there's a difference between love and lust, but lust, a lot of times they look the same in certain situations. They look like twins. They look like identical twins, but you got to get to know them to know the difference. You ever met twins that you thought looked alike until you met them? And then you realize, no, that they have different personalities. Love and lust have different personalities. And if you awaken love at the wrong time, lust slips in and acts like love. And you don't know you're in lust until everything falls apart. So be very, very careful. I'll just throw a scripture that, that it said. It says, be, it says, flee you for lust because it wars against your soul. So it, it, it doesn't fight somebody else. In other words, when I get in lust, Will don't get beat up for it. No, I'm the one who go through for it. So be very, very careful. Can, can God bring you back? Yes. How do I know? Because I've been, I've, I've battled lust. I know God can bring you back. But I'm warning you younger folk, don't listen to the rappers. This stuff will cost you. And it can cost you dearly. So don't waken it up too early. Now we're going to Switch and get a little scientific. We're going to take it out of just the sensual and move a little into the scientific. So let's put the enduring word commentary. In terms of relationship, it means let our love progress and grow until it is matured and fruitful. Making a genuinely pleasing relationship don't let us go too fast. Young women, I know, I know he smelled good, he looked good, he does all the right things, but can you wait? Because sometimes there's red flags hiding behind all of that, but you're moving too fast. Sometimes you got to slow down. Pastor, I'm getting married. Well, that's, that's, that's good. Tell me about the guy. Well, we went on one date and he proposed, oh, slow down, baby. 
I, I, sometimes that stuff works, but very rarely. Slow yourself down because you need to see some things. So it's, it don't go too fast. Then, then uh, uh, we're going to continue to read. From her wish, an excellent principle can be drawn for courtship. A strong desire to express love physically should be present, but not until marriage should it be fulfilled. Because it just complicates things. Let's continue to read. According to Dr. Jeffrey Sloss, there is a brain hormone that mediates the feeling of being in love or being infatuated. One of these neurotransmitters is known as the phenylphylamine, and it floods our brain when we fall in love. It is also in fairly high quantities in chocolate. That's why a lot of women will find pleasure in eating chocolate because it's actually a chemical in the brain that will flood when that happens. Same thing happens in feelings of love, but the thing about that, it is not the full love, it is just the trickles of love. But if you get intoxicated in the trickles, you'll make decisions in the trickle age too quick. Let me continue to read scientifically. This chemical gives us feelings, us, so it happens to both men and women, this, but it happens more with women because of the way they're wired. This chemical gives us feelings of exhilaration and thrill and well-being and in high amounts can lead to loss of appetite. Whew, I love them so much I can't even eat. I, I, I love them so much I'm, I'm just thinking about him. I, I, and some of y'all, you're, you're saying, I don't feel that. Maybe you ain't never felt that. I can eat no matter what. But here, here it says, this chemical works somewhat in a cycle, at least in a relationship. At the beginning of the relationship, it spikes up. After four or five years, it begins to decline. Let, let me explain this about my own body. I, uh, when I was really started working midnights, I've been working midnights forever, but when I started working midnights and pastoring, I was really struggling to sleep. So somebody told me about melatonin, and melatonin was the best thing since sliced bread. I got that melatonin, and I was able to sleep like a baby for about a month because my body adjusted to the melatonin, and it no longer needed, it, it no longer got the same feeling that it did. Now I'm to the place that melatonin don't hardly do nothing for me. Same thing happens with this chemical in the brain. It lasts for a cycle but after that, it dies down because your body adjusts to it. You ever hear somebody say, I fell in love, but I fell out of love? Because they're only talking about the chemical scientific responses to love. Let's, let's continue to read. Across cultures, in other words, they looked across all cultures, there is a spike in the rate of divorce at about four and a half years of marriage. Some suggest that relationships have two major phases, attraction and attachment. The attraction phase is powerful and the kind of condition that makes one say, I am lovesick. In other words, in the attraction dating phase, all those neurotransmitters are going off in our mind. They're going off in our brain. But at some point, love becomes less of a feeling and more becomes an action of your will. In other words, let, let me put it to you this way. When me and Devin were dating, 
and we were going to deliver Stipper over in the other building. When Devin would come in the door, my heart would skip a beat. It would flutter. I, I, I would know she was here, and then I would look back. Sure enough, she was in the building. Devin can walk right beside me. I don't feel nothing. Because I don't have those same body chemicals any longer. So now I have to choose to love her from an act of my will because it's no longer just the attraction phase. It's the attachment phase. In the attachment phase, you have to be specific about love. Because, see, that man's breath stunk when you was in love. But when you fell out of love, you're like, man, his breath stink. No, his breath been stinking the whole time. You was just love sick. You was, you was love drunk. Those red flags was there the whole time. So that's why you have to stay in things long enough to get through the cycles. And when people are always running into the cycles, many times they're not in things long enough to realize, I don't really like him. And he don't really like me. And when you add sex to it way too early, totally complicates things. We used, we used to teach this in an abstinence class, and this is what we taught. You take two people who have dated. They've dated for three months. All they've ever done is hold hands. That's all. They ain't kissed. They ain't done. All they ever done is hold hands. They end up breaking up. They weren't right for each other. When they see each other in the grocery store, how awkward is it? It's not that awkward because all they've ever done is hold hands. But if they've seen each other naked and have done things together, then three months later when they see each other in the grocery store, they try to hide from each other because you've exposed too much too fast. So that's why you have to be very careful at the speed you go through. It's almost like your car. Some of y'all are in a school zone. You better buckle your seatbelt and slow down in the school zone. Don't drive 80 in a school zone. You're going to end up in jail. And some of y'all in your relationships, you drive 80. Yeah, you save. I'm not saying you're not saved, but you do too much, too fast, and it's awkward. And here's the problem. Sometimes those folks show up at church. And everybody shouting and waving and you looking over there like, oh, God, I hope they don't notice me because you're doing too much. Are you still saved? Yes, you are. But you've been doing too much. And if you've been doing too much, guess what? You had deliverance temple. You can de get delivered. We're not here to beat you up. But for the next time, slow yourself down because these chemicals can trick you. Somebody said the heart wants. What the heart wants. But sometimes what the heart wants ain't what the heart needs. And sometimes it takes a while for you to figure out this ain't what I need. But it's too late because you already want it. And when you want something that you don't need, it causes you struggles. One thing that I've realized, I'm addicted to sugar. That's one thing I, I realized. I don't, I don't eat a lot, but it's just sugar. I want something sweet. I have these cravings. If I never got addicted to it, it wouldn't be an issue. But there's days where I say I have water bottles. I got four water bottles in my bag at work, and I go get a Coke. I got something to drink. But it's something about that sugar addiction that says the water's not going to do it. I got to get that. And sometimes I don't even have money. I done pulled out my credit card to swipe it across the vending machine to get a Coke because there's something in the sugar in the Coke that says you need it right now. 
And if it works with Coke, it works with other stuff in life. And I'm here to let you know your brain and the chemicals in your brain, once they are, get introduced to certain things, it's hard to break loose from them. Can God deliver you? Can you be forgiven? Yes. But we're just saying if you want to make things easy on you, there's some stuff you got to slow down with. Amen. All right. Let's, let's move on. This is a scientific. Let's move on. <coughs> Yet the key to a long-term fulfilling relationship is staying with it past the attraction phase into the attachment phase. There are some counselors who devote almost their entire counseling practice trying to help what they call love junkies. Some people call it being a hapless romantic. In other words, they fall in love with the feeling of falling in love. But once the feeling goes, they get up and got to go somewhere. And it, 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 it causes detriment. So sometimes you got to know, do I want to be in this for the long haul? So if not, it's okay to just go on a date and that be it. I had, had, had one of our members say, well, somebody wants uh, to take me on a date. What should I do, Pastor? I said, go get you some free food. Go get you a free food, a free movie. But that don't mean you got to do anything else. You, you ain't got to rush anything. If you want to be single and you plan on being single, it's okay to go and get some free food and free movies. But don't move off of what your goal. Some of y'all, you need some space alone because you crazy. You got Robert and Stephanie and Joshua and Julie all in your mind. You need some time alone to get all these people out of your system so you figure out who you really are. So it's okay with everybody getting a car. Listen, that, that dollar store car ain't worth your sanity. It is okay. Well, I don't have nobody to take me to Valentine's dinner. It's the same raggedy steak at Outback as it is the other days of the week. Don't throw it away. You might need to be by yourself for a while. So you get stuff out of your system. All right, got to move on. People who are so addicted to the phenethylamine phase that they bounce from relationship rush to relationship rush without ever really coming into a greater, longer-lasting relationship fulfillment. So this is what the woman was saying when you break it down scientifically. Don't awaken love too quick because it can ruin things. Now let me turn it spiritual real quick. Some people will not submit themselves to a ministry. They love the process of being a new member every year at another church. And we call it church hopping. They, they, but they don't want to sit down and dis be disciplined. They don't want nobody to do life with them. They want to just jump in and jump out. Those people never have long-term fulfilled success because they run in and out of things. All right, let's, let, let's continue to move. I know I had to take some time with that. Now I'm going to try to speed up so we can get out of here. Let's go to She Speaks Again, and we'll go to Song 2. Two and eight. I hear my lover's voice. Here it comes, jumping over the mountains.
For the rest of the time, I'm mainly going to talk about the spirituality of this. She says, I hear my lover's voice. She was speaking of the man. The lover's voice is the voice of God. It breaks through the mountains. It breaks through the obstacles. And let's go back to what I just talked about. Even if you've been one of those persons, you're addicted to love junkie or addicted to sex or addicted to sugar or addicted to anything. God's voice is able to break through all your addictions and still reach and find you. Let's read verse 9. My beloved is like a gazelle or a young stag. Behold, there he stands behind our wall, gazing through the windows, looking through the lattice. There was a progression. At first, he was behind the walls. Then he got to the window. Then he came all the way to the lattice. God, his, his presence is always moving towards you. Even if you've made some mistakes, even if you've done some things wrong because of his love for you, he's always moving towards you. And you have to understand that his love is always in hot pursuit of you. The, the Hebrew of grace is hesed in Hebrew. It is the hot pursuit of God. It's God is always pursuing you. So even though I'm talking about some stuff we could do better, even if you've done some things wrong in the past, God's love is still in hot pursuit of crazy old you. Let's look at verse 10. My lover speaks to me. Get up, my darling, my beautiful one. Let's go away. Now the lover speaks to her and says, get up. Let's go away. She, he went beyond the wall, the window, the lattice, and he got all the way to her and said, come on, go with me. And God is always trying to take us to a higher level in him. Even when we made mistakes, he's always trying to take us to a higher and a deeper level. Verse 11. Look, winter is past. The rains have come and gone. This is what I need to let you know. We all go through seasons. And in 2020 and 2021, we were in a winter season. And here it says the rains have come and gone. In other words, what God is saying to us is that the storm is over. And here I am. I've come to get you. i come to grab you. Listen, you could have been in a storm because of your own mistakes. You could be in a storm because of the devil. You could be in a storm because of the pandemic. But God is telling you the winter is over. The storm is over. I'm coming to get you and take you to higher heights and deeper depths. I'm so glad you didn't give up on God because God hasn't given up on you. And I'm trying to announce to you prophetically, this is the time to move. This is the time to grow. This is the time to live leap and bound. God is on your side. Just recently, uh, th 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 there's a, a, a song going around the social media talking about the storm is passing over. And they've been showing people shouting and they've been adding this song to it. And I was at work and I just thought about, I remember I had a video of my father uh, shouting and dancing. And you know what? I said, I'm going to take that and put the song with it. Now, I know me looking at that could trigger me in a negative way, but I said, no, I'm going to praise and celebrate God. And it went all over. People were saying, God, thank you for sharing that. That blessed my soul. And my daddy was putting some footwork in that day. And it reminds me that the storm is passing over. All the rain and the lightning, it can't last forever. The grief can't last forever. The debt can't last forever. The depression can't last forever. The sorrow can't last forever. The loneliness can't last forever. It's going to pass over. And guess who's going to get me out of this? The Lord is coming to rescue his people. 
And I ain't talking about just in the rapture. I'm talking about tomorrow God might blow your socks off. Next week God might do it. You got to look up. God is coming to grab his people. Amen. Let's continue to read verse 12. The flowers are blooming in the fields. It's time to sing. Listen, the doves have returned. Listen, the season is changing. Stuff is happening. It's, it's like spring coming in after a long winter. You can smell when spring is in the air. Flowers start popping up. The birds start chirping again. I'm here to let your stuff is turning around in your favor. Verse 13. Young figs are growing on the fig trees. Smell the vines in bloom. Get up, my darling, my beautiful one. Let's go away. I hear God saying to you, get up. It's time to move. God is getting ready to take it. Where are you taking us, God? He's taking you to another level. He might be taking you to another level in your finances, another level in your marriage, another level in your anointing. But I'm here to let you know, smell it. It is in the air. God is getting ready to raise you up. All right, then he speaks again. Let's look at what he says in verse 14. Oh, my dove, in the clefts of the rock, in the crannies of the cliff, let me see your face. Let me hear your voice, for your voice is sweet and your face is lovely. This is a beautiful spiritual principle. God raises us up, and the scripture says he hides us in the cleft of the rock. But then he stands back and says, ooh, Andre, your voice is good. Ooh, Andre, you preach good. But he's the one who put the preach in me. He's the one who lifted me up. He blesses me with a new car and says, ooh, that car looked nice. But I'm like, God, you're the one that did it. So what God does, he picks us up, puts us in a high place, and then sandbags and looks at us and says, ooh, you look good. Let me tell you, it's something that I do as well. I, I always pick with my wife. I bought her for her graduation. I bought her a tennis bracelet, and it pops and shines. And so I say, baby, let me see the tennis bracelet. You got it on? She said, "Whoa, you look good in that. Now, I'm the one that bought it. I'm the one that made it happen. But I look at her, and I celebrate her because she wearing what I bought. God does the same thing. He the one that delivered you, but make you feel good because you got delivered. I ain't got nothing to do with this deliverance, but he looks at me and says, oh boy, you delivered. Oh boy, you looking good. God's the one that did it, but then he celebrates me for what he's done in my life. It's time to be celebrated. All right, now then she speaks to the women, and from this is where we're closed. She speaks to the women. She speaks to the women. How oh, beautiful. Next verse. Catch the foxes for us, the little foxes that spoil the vineyard. Our vineyard is now in bloom. This is something that's been preached all the time. They say it's the little foxes that destroy the vine. So here is the connotation of that. She turns to the women and she says this to him because he's getting ready to take me up high. So when God takes you up high, there's nothing the devil can do to knock you down. So what he has to do, he has to send little stuff. See, when, when, when God is blessing you, he can't stop the blessings in big ways anymore with grief and with layoffs and pandemics. So he goes back down to the little stuff. And it's in the little stuff that we fail to see. And so here's the connotation of, of, of the fo little foxes and the vine. The little foxes cannot reach the grapes on the vine. So they eat at the root so that the vine dies and then the grapes fall and then they can eat the grapes. So she says to the women, she's still trying to tell them, she's like, what I need you to do, and this is amazing what she said. She says, catch the little foxes. In other words, God is taking me higher, but I need somebody around me watching my back 
for the little stuff. So yes, God is taking Andre higher, but I need you to watch for the folk that's trying to stab me in the back. I can't see it all. So you got to catch it for me. That's why you need some people in your circle that will look out for you and catch the small stuff and tell you the small stuff to your face because you may not see it. Hey, hey, pastor, let me pull you aside. I, I think you're getting a little too arrogant in this area. Oh, I didn't see that. You need somebody who can tell you about the little stuff because the little stuff will destroy you. When Satan can't get you with the big stuff, he starts with the little stuff. And so we have to be careful about the little stuff. So, yes, deliverance temple, we're going higher, but let's be careful of the little things. All right, let's look at verse 16. Catch the boxes for us. My lover is mine, and I am his. This is my what, lover feeds among the lilies. My lover is mine, and my lover is his. I'm going to add this commentary as we, as, as we come to a close. Ways I am his, and he is mine. She spoke that, so I'm going to turn it to the spiritual side. Ways I am his, and he is mine. I am his by the gift of his father. I am his by purchase, paid for by his own blood. I am his by conquest. He fought for me and won me. And he is mine by surrender because I gave myself to him. How about we confess this together? Repeat after me. I am his by the gift of his father. I am his by purchase, paid for by his own blood. I am his by conquest. He fought for me. And won me. He is mine by surrender. Because I gave myself to him. Now say it this way. Say I am his. And he is mine. Let's, let's, let's look at this. This is uh, a quote directly from Charles Spurgeon. One of the greatest preachers to ever live. This is what he says. He says I am his. His today in the house of worship. And his tomorrow in the house of business. His as a singer in the sanctuary and his as a toiler in the workshop. His when I am preaching and equally his when I'm walking the streets. His while I live and his when I die. His when my soul is sins and his when my body lies in the grave. The whole personality of my life is all together. His forever and forever. I feel like Charles Spurgeon. I'm his in the church in DT, but I'm his in my car in the parking lot. I'm his in, in the church, but I'm his at Outback. I'm always his because my salvation, my deliverance is not just locked up in the four walls of the church. It goes with me. In him do I live. In him do I move. In him do I have my being. I am his and he is mine. Now, 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 now guess what? When you see Devin at Payless and Kroger, she's still mine. I may not be with her, but she's still mine. I am his and he is mine. So even though I may not be with him, you may not see me with him because I am in him and he is in me. Because of that, I am everything that he is. I, I, I got I to gotta close, but I got one thing I got to show you here. I'm going to put my mask. I'm going to put my mask inside my iPad, and I'm going to close the iPad. Now, this is not the mask, but the mask is inside the iPad. So when I throw the iPad into the water, guess what goes in the water as well? The mask, because the mask is in the water. 
So when Jesus went to the cross because I was in him, when he went to the cross, I went to the cross. And when he went to the grave, I went to the grave. But when he rose up, I rose up because I am in him and he is in me. And because I am in him, I may be broke today, but I'm still going to rise. I may be sick today, but I'm still going to rise because I am in my Savior and my Savior is in me. I am in the lily of the valley. I am in the bright and morning star. I am in the king of kings. I am in the Lord of lords and the Lord of lords and the king of kings is in me. What's our What's our final verse? Where is it at? Go ahead and put it up. Verse 17. While the day breathes its last breath and the shadows run away, turn, my lover, be like a gazelle or a young deer on the cleft mountains. All right, let me explain that. When you, when you look at the Hebrew, the cleft mountains are the mountains of Bether. The mountains of Bether is what they're known for. They are clusters of mountains in that day and age, but they were separated by a lot of valleys. They were disconnected. In other words, you would have a mountaintop here, a lot of space, and a mountaintop there. So the fact that the gazelle, she said, I want you to be like the gazelle on these mountains. In order to get from one mountain to the next, he had the, the gazelle would have to find a way to jump across the valleys. And this is what the woman is saying and what spiritually. God, I want you to have a love that has no bounds. No boundaries. Whatever is disconnecting me from you, God, I want you to jump over it. I want you to run through troops and leap over walls. If I've got mountains that's keeping me away from you, and what keeps us separated from God is our own sin, but God says, I love you so much, I'll jump over everything to come to you. I'll meet you at the point of your need. There's nothing that can keep you disconnected from God because he has a love that expands beyond all separation. And all disconnection. Somebody say this. I am never disconnected from the love of my God. Say it again. I am never disconnected from the love of my God. Say that. Put, put the, the, the last slide up and you guys can stand to your feet and we'll declare this. A love without boundaries. Now say this with me. Say God. Love me without boundaries. All right, let's bow our heads and let's pray. Dear gracious Heavenly Father God, your love knows no bounds. It knows no limits. And God, even though this uh, writing, these poems, teach us about the love between a man and a woman, it greatly teaches us about the great love you have for us. And we are crazy about you, but you are crazy about us. And God, with all our hangups, all our sins, all our mistakes, all our issues, you have never, ever, ever stopped loving us. And for that, we thank you. And for that, we praise you. Now, Father God, I pray for anybody who may not be saved and who does not know this crazy, too good to be true love that you have for your children. I pray that they would say these simple words. Father God, come into my heart come into my life through your son save me deliver me rearrange me resurrect me and love me without boundaries in Jesus name amen if you enjoyed the word just go ahead and clap
God bless you. God bless you. You are dismissed.